Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 6 on how the Lord Jesus Christ is the great creator, the king, and the God of the Bible, and how Noah was like the Lord Jesus Christ as a type of king and prophet for God. Now, before we get started with our teaching from Genesis with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, we want to encourage you to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse by email by going to our website, friendshipwithgod.org, or searching for us on Facebook by searching for Friendship with God. Now, Tom Cantor is our Bible teacher and the owner-operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum in San Diego, California. He's also a scientist, a biochemist, and because of that, we're offering two great resources science and Bible-based, two books, Dinosaurs in the Bible and Your Origins Matter. These two great books, Dinosaurs in the Bible and Your Origins Matter, are amazing science and Bible-based books. They're your resources for a donation of $20 or more to the Friendship with God radio program. So call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or go to our website, friendshipwithgod.com. Friendshipwithgod.org, order the Creation Museum website and bookstore at creationsd.org. That's creationsd.org. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God. But when we read in Genesis 6 6 that this same one, the Creator King, is grieved in his heart, that surprises us. That's not what we expect. So the question is, who really is he? Who really is the creator king? To who is this one who can be grieved at his heart? Maybe he's not who we thought he was. But we got a glimpse that he was odd or peculiar or not how we expected. Because it says in Genesis 2-7 that he didn't speak man's existence into being as he did for all the others. It says there in Genesis 2-7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils, it says nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That surprises us. We think of God speaking the earth into existence, the stars, light, by the word of his power. But we don't think of God as getting off of that throne of power and getting down and, and forming with his hand out of the dust, man. And then putting his mouth over the nostrils of man. And breathing into him his breath of life. That's strange. That's strange to us. That's not how we think. But then we read about the Creator God in John 1, 3-4. And we find out the Creator God is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it says, all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And then it says, in him was life. And the life was the light of man. In him was life. And so he breathed into man the breath of life. And we get it. But we read that the Lord Jesus Christ is this great creator God. And he put his mouth over man's nostrils and breathed him the breath of life. That's not what we expect. And we read about this creator God that when a woman was caught in the very act of adultery and thrown down in front of him, and we can imagine how she must have looked, torn garments, hair that's all messed up, and just thrown down there, a mess. 
And it says that in John 8, 30 through 4, And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken at adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken at adultery in the very act. And to that sinful woman, he says in John 8, 11, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He said that to that woman, an immoral, adulterous woman, the creator king, who we think is removed from man and isolated from man. And here's this woman caught in the adultery and we see him having compassion on her and we see him forgiving her. You know, most kings don't know anything about common man. But this creator king is not who we expect. And when we read about the creator king, that on a hot day in Israel, when his prophet Jonah was so discouraged and depressed to the point of death. Turn to it in Jonah 4, 6, please. Here we are in Jonah 4, 6. It's outside of Nineveh. It's a very, very hot day. And God does something for his prophet. It says in Jonah 4, 6, it says here that the Lord God prepared a gourd. It says, okay, God can do that. He's God. He can do what he wants. He's a great creator, so he creates a gourd. And he made it to come up over Jonah. Okay, now we ask the question, why? Why did that? That it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd. It was a hot day. Because that's not what we expect from the creator king. Caring about Jonah's temperature, <laughs> caring about Jonah's depression, his pout, so much that the Creator King miraculously creates a large gourd. Why? That it might be a shadow over his head to deliver Jonah from his grief. The Creator God has compassion on Jonah's grief. That's the Creator King caring for Jonah. Yes, we didn't know who the Creator King was. We thought the Creator King was so far removed, so isolated from man. But then we see him in John 14, 1 through 3. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. You believe in God. Believe also in me. And then he says, In my Father's house, he explains, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, then I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. We read about this place in Revelation 21, 21, where it says, And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as transparent as it were transparent glass. So we're troubled at the thought of dying. And questions haunt us. This is the question in the hospice and the cancer ward, the most question that's ever asked to any chaplain. What's going to happen to me after I die? That's the question. It haunts. Where am I going to be after I leave this earth? What will happen to me? Will I be safe? And the Creator King tells us not to be troubled because He's prepared a house for us. And he's going to, not assign some angel, but come himself and bring us there. That's the creator king. 
Guess we didn't know the Creator King. We thought the Creator King was so far removed, so isolated from man. But then in Revelation 21, 4, it says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall be there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. We have sorrows. We have a lot of things to cry about. We can't imagine the Creator King himself wiping tears from our eyes. That's the Creator King. We thought the Creator King was so far removed and isolated from man. Hosea 13, 14. We read about the Creator King here. And here he's speaking again to the great, great fear of man. The great enemy of man to whom he is powerless. There's not a hope that anyone can stand against this foe. And that's the grave and that's death. But he says in Hosea 13, 14, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. In other words, I'm not going to think twice about it. We fear the grave. We fear its power. We feared where the grave is going to take us. We never imagined that the Creator King would save us from the grave. Guess we didn't know. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God in just one moment. Now, our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, is not just a teacher, pastor, scientist, CEO, and 2009 Whistleblower of the Year award recipient winner. He is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, a Jewish evangelism ministry that has reached millions of lost Jewish people around the world, from the U.S. to South America to Israel, and we've reached them with the gospel and Jewish materials so that they too might be saved. Now, Tom Cantor is a Jewish born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we want to reach other Tom Cantors that need to know the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior. We do that through free gospel gifts and messages that we offer for free. You can help us by supporting this Bible teaching radio program by calling us at 800-247-3051-800-247-3051. Grief of heart comes when we experience a personal loss, the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That surprises us. There's not a hope that anyone can stand against this foe. And that's the grave and that's death. We thought the Creator King was so far removed. We thought he was isolated from man. But then we read in Isaiah 53, 5 and 6 that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes were healed all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's not what we expected from the Creator King. What kind of a Creator King is this? What kind of a Creator King would speak into existence the earth and then stoop to form man out of the dust and breathe into him the breath of life? What kind of Creator King is it who would create the stars and then build for us a home with gold for streets. And then he would turn and dry the eyes of the brokenhearted. 
What kind of a creator king is that? What kind of creator king is it that would fill the oceans with life and then save us from the power of the grave? That's the creator king who took off his crown and agreed to die. And as he's on a cross, he looks at each one of us in our eyes and he said, this is for you. That's the creator king. That's why he's grieved in his heart at the sin of man. Why? Because the sin of man, for the sin of man that grieved him in his heart, his body would be broken. For the sin of man that grieved him in his heart, his blood would be shed. And for the sin of man that grieved him in his heart, his heart would be broken. That's how we understand this amazing verse. And that's the little porthole that Genesis 6-6 is giving to us to understand who is he? Who is this great creator God? This is the creator God that was grieved in his heart, that went through the heart grief for the sin of man. And we saw in Hosea 13-14 where he said, I will ransom them from the grave. And this is the greater king who came and in Matthew 20, 28, he said, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I will give my life a ransom for many. In Hosea 13, 14, I will ransom them from the grave. That's the creator king. That's who we're talking about when it says here in Genesis 6, 6, in this marvelous insight, it grieved him at his heart. He had heart grief. Now, we continue on. We look at Noah. Now, we've studied several aspects of Noah so far. We've seen how he fulfilled the criteria of faith. He's used as a man who fulfills the criteria of faith in Hebrews eleven six. It's where it says, but without faith it's impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must, number one, believe that he is, and that he is, number two, a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And Noah fulfilled that. Of course, he believed that God was, but if believing wasn't enough, he sought the grace of God. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so that's why it says, in the very next verse in Hebrews 11, 11, 7, says, by faith Noah being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. So it says there that Noah prepared an ark to the saving of his house. We see here this little picture of Noah, that Noah was a priest to his house. He was a priest to his house. When Noah looked at his family... He said, that's my little temple. That family of mine is my little temple. And he looked at his home and he said, that's my temple and I'm the priest. And I'm going to be a responsible priest. And he was foremost praying for his family. That's an example to us. Noah's an example to us here. Men, our families are our temples, or if you like, churches. And we are the priests over those family Temples or churches. And our first priority is to pray 
for our family. Like a priest prays for the people that he's responsible for. That's his key job. The priest is the one who prays. He cares about his congregation. And he's always inquiring and looking and asking how they're doing. The great picture of this, Job. It says in Job 1.5, as it describes Job, and remember, God was bragging about Job, because God was bragging about Job, brought a lot of trouble to Job. Maybe Job didn't like that idea. But anyways, it says in Job 1.5, And it was so, when the days of their fasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them. He's talking about his sons. And rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Then it says this marvelous phrase, thus did Job continually. That was his life. That was Job the priest. Thus did Job continually. What did he do continually? He prayed for his sons And he offered burnt offerings, but he prayed for them. And he said, I'm so worried about them because it may be that they have sinned and they've cursed God in their hearts. Little did Job know that his own wife would invite him to curse God. But he was praying for them. That's what he gave himself to do. He was worrying, he was praying. Because the heart of his sons was hidden from Job. He couldn't see their hearts. He didn't know what was going on, but he knew God did, because as we saw in Ezekiel, God knows every thought, every one of them that comes into our minds. And so he was praying for their hearts. It's a good example for us, Job is. We see that in the case of Abraham. He is a priest over his house, and God said in Genesis eighteen nineteen, speaking about his friend Abraham, he said, I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him. And boy, didn't we see Abraham do that with the case of Eliezer who went to go get the wife for Isaac when Eliezer's all alone, not with Abraham there. And we see Eliezer pray, oh God, bless my way. And God opened up the door and we saw him give testimony to Lord God of Israel before Laban and the others. So why did Eliezer do that? Because Abraham had influenced him. Because Abraham was over him and he commanded him and his household treated them anybody under his house he was a priest to them we saw that in the case of joseph joseph when that servant came and the sons were all nervous that egyptian servant of joseph came and said to joseph's brothers don't worry god gave you your treasure back how come an egyptian is talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because of the faithfulness of Joseph. He was a priest over those he had responsibility to. And so therefore God said about Abraham, they shall keep the way of the Lord, his family, to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. So because Noah was the priest to his house, when he built the ark, It turns out, he wanted a lot of people to come, but it turns out that that was an ark to the saving of his house, as it says in Hebrews 11.7. It was an ark to the saving of his house. Parents, we need to lead our kids to the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't rely on somebody else to do that. We don't rely on the Sunday school teacher, the vacation Bible school teacher, the child evangelism fellowship teacher. That's our responsibility as the head of the home. It's important. We prepare an ark to the saving of our house, like Noah did. The gospel ark to the saving of our house. 
So he was a priest to his home, Noah was. Then we see in 2 Peter 2.5, where we've seen this verse before, but it says, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Not only was Noah a priest, but Noah was a preacher of righteousness, which means that Noah spoke. He spoke for God. He heard the message that God had given to him, and he was faithful to give it out. He told those people, you have 120 years. God, he's grieved in his heart. He's going to destroy you from off the face of the earth. Not just you, but all flesh. He said, all flesh has come before me. That was his message. It was his message, very similar to Jonah's message. He told them the judgment of God was just around the corner. He said, listen, with all your eating and drinking and marrying and giving and marriage, I want to tell you what's happening to you. You're walking right down the middle of the road to hell. That was his message. And he cried out that they were going to be judged in the flood. He was very much like Habakkuk, Noah was. When God gave Habakkuk the message to bring, he said in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Habakkuk said, I will stand upon my watch. That was Habakkuk's words. And set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me. By the way, that's a great verse for our morning devotion times. What do we do in our morning devotion times? We set out a watch, we stand on our tower, and we look to see what God will say to us. And then he says, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain, that he may run that readeth it. That's the phrase, that he may run that readeth it. That was Habakkuk. He said, look, what you say, what you tell, make sure it's plain. It's very, very plain. That's what Paul said. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. We don't cloud it up with a lot of eloquence. We don't cloud it up with a lot of this. It's got to be crystal clear. You drive it. Drive it. In other words, Paul was saying, I drive the message. I make sure that anybody who comes in contact with me will never be able to say, I didn't know. I didn't know there was a heaven I should try to gain and a hell I should try to avoid. No, Paul says, great plainness of speech. And then that's what he told to Habakkuk. He says, let him that readeth it run. In other words, that people know what to do. They know that they need to repent. They know they need to turn and find the grace of God that's available that Noah found. So Noah was a faithful priest. Noah was a faithful priest over his family. Noah was a faithful prophet to all who he came in contact with. And Noah was also a faithful king because he led, as a king does, his family into the ark. Those were just little things, just little things that Noah did. A little family, eight people. You know, whoever came into the sphere, he was faithful. He led his little family. He was faithful as a little prophet and a little priest and a little king. Very faithful in the little. And what did God do? God said, you've been faithful in the little. You're going to do the same thing on a greater scale. And now, Noah, you are going to be the priest that prays and the water subside from off the whole earth. Now, Noah, you're going to be the prophet whose words are going to, through your sons, go to all the world, the knowledge of God. Now, Noah, you'll be the king at the helm of your ship. 
not only on the helm of your ship, you'll be at the helm of humanity, a new humanity, as you bring in the new humanity. Because he, God says, you were faithful in the little, and so now you have the much. That's a great, great example for us. And God says, furthermore, I'm going to enter into you, Noah, the first of what I'm calling the covenant. A covenant which we'll cover in our next study. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these examples in your scripture. Thank you for the men of God that you, Lord, you helped. And we want to be men, women that you help also. So, Lord, this which we've read here today, make it not just to be something that we have studied about, learned about, put away in our knowledge, but help us, Lord, to incorporate and to do. Help us to be like those ones that you spoke of to Habakkuk, like him that run, that readeth. Help us to run as we've read in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful Bible study from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Just a reminder, if you would like to download this message for free, you can do so on our website, friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, also available on iTunes.com and SermonAudio.com. All there for free listening and free download, but it's there with your support, and we need you to become a monthly supporter if you can. You can call us at 800-247-3051. Now, we also have an opportunity for you to be a full-time missionary working for Israel Restoration Ministries in the Southern California area. We have two open positions, one in San Diego and one in Los Angeles. If you'd like to be a full-time missionary working for Israel Restoration Ministries, you can call us at our 800 number. You can also call us on the 800 number if you'd like to be a volunteer with Israel Restoration Ministries. As a volunteer missionary, you'll bring the gospel to lost Jewish people right in the city where you live, and we can help you to do that with the materials that we have that are geared towards Jewish evangelism. So call us for a full-time position or volunteer position at 800 247 3051-800-247-3051 and join Israel Restoration Ministries, 800-247-3051 or call us to donate. Again, 800-247-3051.